and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be reevaluating the Thunder Tank debate 13 games through the season, and if Sam Presti should pull a Sam Hinkey moving on in this year. And before I go into the story, I'm just super excited about about this one because look this is our first real like off off day of the season it seems like we've always had like only one day off most of the time we have not had a two game break except for whenever we've had postponements and stuff so as someone like me trying to podcast same like everyone else it kind of stinks because Every single episode, you got it's pretty much like a game preview or a game recap every time for 20 minutes, and then you get your story in, and it's awesome because, of course, I love talking about the games, but at the same time, there are these super long stories that um, really just cannot be covered in in that amount of time. Like, I, I just kind of gather that most of you guys listen to this, like, driving around, like, maybe to work or whatever. If you guys are commuting like 90 minutes, yeah, I could throw stuff like this in all the time, but I, I don't know. I Normally, I like keeping it around like the 30 to 40 minute mark, at least as of now. So I'm just really happy that there's finally an off day where I can just talk about just stories going on in this season. And, you know, there's a lot more to just like this story right here. I have like a whole list of stuff I can talk about in the future. But I really want to nail this one down right now because it's just such a hard-pressed topic, especially like in the past, I'd say, week or so. Thunder Twitter was like going insane over whether or not we were tanking a couple days ago. And I kind of just wanted to put my two cents into it because, I mean, it's a large debate, really. Whenever we're like evaluating our team everyone entering this season was just writing the pen and paper that we were going to be a a top or a bottom three team I guess and we'd be shooting for that number one pick but it has not really looked that way so far because we are six and seven and if the lottery happened today we would have the 10th best odds at the number one draft pick and that would give us 2.5 percent chance at that number one and for top four, it'd be 11.4. So, obviously, when we're only 13 games in, that's going to be subject to change. But people have kind of just looked back on what they said at the beginning of the year. And I honestly, I haven't really paid attention to if people are like tweaking what they're saying about it or not. I just know everyone's like going crazy over, oh, no, that we're, we can't determine if we're taking yet. Or like, yeah, we can't. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways. I just want to say what I think, and I think number one, when we're looking at our record, I don't think it's safe to assume we're going to keep this pace up just due to the fact that we kind of were playing some of the lower tier teams in the NBA these, I'd say like first month. You know, we did play some tough opponents here and there, like Denver we just came off of playing, the the Lakers we just came off of playing, the Nets. We end up defeating, so I mean, there's players all over the place, right? And and there's teams all over the place, but we just have not played the best of the best in the uh, in the league yet. So 
we are actually number one in terms of strength of schedule remaining left in the uh, left in the season. We are like just a hair at that number one spot, but um, you still have to you still have to credit that because whenever we're gonna be playing against teams like the Lakers over and over again, we're gonna be playing the Clippers still a decent bit. We have not touched the Bucks yet. Or the Sixers, really, since that game was postponed. And all the easy teams, for the most part. We've already played them. And we don't know what this second half of the schedule will look like whenever they release it. But we just have to assume that it's going to be a variety of both difficult and hard teams. Because we have not even had certain teams scheduled on our uh, season yet. Such as like the Pistons or whatever. Which, that's like the give me games. You know what I mean? We don't have those give me games. We have a lot of tough opponents, and I think we will put up fights. But, you know, assuming that we're going to stick around this same kind of ratio here of being like just a hair below 500 at 40.46, that's where we're at right now. I wouldn't be banking on it, if you know what I'm saying. But I think before we even like go into. My thoughts, we need to just break down what exactly tanking is because I think the definition of it just has been completely skewed. If you guys have been searching around, you guys should know what I'm talking about. People are just kind of coagulating the word tank with the word rebuild. Those are two separate things. You know, people think if you're losing games, you're automatically tanking. That's not what that is. Tanking is where you are intentionally losing your games in order to get a future advantage down the line, which is just going to be draft picks, really. Rebuilding is where you're not actively losing. Sure, you may be losing, but that's not the intention here, okay? So, we are rebuilding. We are not tanking. We are trying to win right now, and we have a lot of good young pieces. A tanking team is someone who just has a roster scrapped together full of complete, like, just role players, really. And whenever I think of tanking, I think the general idea, really, I guess with everybody, if you want to expand it, should be like Sam Hinkie with his tenure with the Philadelphia 76ers. And with him, I mean, he was the 76ers GM from 2014 to the start of the 16-17 season, he got the boot after starting like 1-22 or some garbage. In his time there, the 76ers had a record of 38-185. and 185. So they only won just a little bit over 20% of their games while he was running the show there. And he just became notorious for constructing a team that was meant to lose over and over again with the end goal just being building up top draft picks in which they got people like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? And we still see that today in the whole trust the process slogan. He kind of was one of the people who revolutionized what the draft lottery is today because I think back then when the 76ers were going all out on tanking, they had like a 25% chance at landing the number one pick in the draft. It's down to 14 for the number one team now. So a lot more even and pulling it off is way more difficult kind of puts the incentive a bit away but yeah he, he just really changed things and the reason he ended up getting his job taken from him 
you know, not only the record, but I think the league may have also intervened and kind of just given him the boot because of really just using their system, you know, filling in one of the uh, the holes that had yet to be exploited to that point, which was the lottery. It's different now, but I actually really was considering making uh, a podcast, I'd say around the beginning of the season, on whether or not Sam Presti should be taking the Sam Hinkie route in this season in terms of just roster moves and stuff. And what I was going to really pinpoint in this were two things. Swapping the roster completely and constantly to try to find gems. And then also the second part is just actively losing. And I think everyone can agree at this point that actively losing or trying to lose is 100% against what we are trying to do here. We are trying to build up our stock and our guys and us, you know, not playing at our best. That's not going to help anybody here. And we may not even end up with a high pick doing that crap. But the first part on swapping the roster constantly, I do still kind of agree with the statement that I made, but it's a little bit different now seeing as how we've kind of just gelled as a team. And whenever I was going to first do this podcast, this was around the time where we just got our 15-man roster lined up, and there were still a lot of question marks on this team. We're talking players like Kenrich Williams, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, Ariza, and hell, even to an extent, Isaiah Roby before he started breaking out in like the preseason and whatnot. They just, like, I don't really know if they had a true fit, but they have shown a lot of flashes, particularly Roby. Roby's another core piece to our team later down the road. And then Kenrich Williams, he's established himself as an NBA player. Whether or not he's 26 or not, he still fits with us. He brings a lot of effort, and teams all over the league would be loving to have Kenrich Williams with them right now because... Having people who care so much on the defensive end is just such a rarity these days, and he does it all that you need off the bench. So, Roby and Williams have just kind of been very surprising. They are both definitely legit, and they're keepers, to be honest. And Justin Jackson, I mean, he hasn't been on the floor that much. He did have nine points in seven minutes in that last game, though. But I think he's like 25, just that stretch four type. I'd say maybe the fit there may be a bit awkward. And then with Darius Miller and Ariza, they're just not playing with us right now. They're kind of just expiring contracts that we are holding up on. I do think that they probably do bring a good veteran presence. Even though Ariza is not here with us, uh, whenever he does eventually, I, I think he'll be able to put a mark on our guys. But I think on the court and in the future, they probably are not a part of the plans. And my mind was kind of just drawn to this hinky type of style where you just cut all these players if they're not being helpful for your team in the now. And then you go for younger prospects that you try to build up and develop. And the people that I'm talking about right here are players like Josh Hall, who's on our two-way contract. I think he deserves that upgrade and he'd probably be the man up if a spot was to be filled here. But then we also have people in the G League, like Melvin Fraser Jr., who I adore. 
he could fill in with that two-way spot if Hall got moved, or just move him up to the actual Thunder team. And then you can just pick apart guys in the free agent pool or in the G League. There's a lot of, you know, risks and flyers that can be taken, but it's a high-risk, high-reward scenario and the method of just like rinse and repeat of waving and picking people up for a little bit struck gold for the 76ers because they got robert covington tj mcconnell and for a time they they actually discovered christian wood he christian wood's first team was the philadelphia 76ers believe it or not this was back in 2015 though so this was before he was off the grid no one really knew about him the 76ers gave him like a little bit of a shot they only played him for 17 games for like nine minutes and then they they dropped him but it just does show that you know whenever you are taking a lot of risks here you can find these gems and with these 76ers imagine if they had christian wood on their team right now and I think if he would have just stuck with the 76ers instead of bouncing around teams, he'd probably be a lot better than he is right now, if I'm going to be honest with you. So that core would be ridiculous. It, they just never committed to him fully. But you can just find talent in alternative methods to the draft. And it, yeah, as I mentioned, it's risky, but it could pay off. The downside, though, is whenever you're doing stuff like this, this is like damn near season tryout kind of stuff. It's like mid-season tryouts for the team. And that that could kill team culture. Because if you have new guys coming in every other week, I think, you know, you could potentially be getting your main pieces, I suppose, especially in the earlier parts of this process. You could get those locker room guys out there and replace them with people who, you know, may not be looking to buy into the culture. So sure, I think players like Justin Jackson, Miller, and really even Ariza may not have shown a lot of potential with our team yet. And yeah, I do think that there probably may be some higher upside people that are not on NBA contracts right now. We don't really know what their impact is around the team. We don't know what they contribute to the locker room. And with us being so culture-centered, we need to keep stuff like that in mind when we're making any deals. And I think keeping our guys happy has to be our number one priority. And bringing in a big number of guys throughout the year turns the roster into a competition and not a team. That's not the environment you want to see. And even though I do believe this sort of method would net us another piece in our future, it may not even be worth it when you get all this stuff into account. So I think the Sam Hinky way of doing things can, can turn out well, but with so many just bright spots on our roster, I don't even know if we'd want to be sacrificing or trying to risk the uh the demise of what's going on in our locker room but kind of just transitioning off this sam hinky stuff and reverting back to looking at our team right now one thing that has been thrown around is it would probably be worth it in the long run to just tank this year out 
and collect a top four draft pick. And we'd have a spot to compete probably by next year. And with all these future draft picks, we should be set. And I actually agree with this sentiment that, you know, having a top four pick in this draft class would kickstart our team immediately. This is a really good draft class. We have Cade Cunningham in here, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and even looking beyond, you have a forward like Jonathan Kamunja who may fit with us well. So there are options if we do land a top four, and we can fill really any of the needs that we uh, have. You know, at this point, maybe I'd go with like a wing or a big. But yeah, so we'd be able to patch up whatever we wanted with that pick, and obviously we would have like a, a core just full of young, blossoming players. And you could, you know, just start up the next great rebuild once again. But I think that, you know, the means by which we're getting this pick needs to be genuine. I'm, I'm going to contradict myself right here. And let's just say, hypothetically, we enter like the last week of the season with the seventh best odds of the number one pick. And we got three games left, and the gap between seven and three is just super duper tiny. If we lose out, we go down into the top four for those super high odds. I'm not going to sit here and say I'd be complaining if Mark Dagnall just threw out our bench guys that last week and, you know, we ended up losing those contests because odds would be awesome. But right now, we just need to be sticking to our game plan and not trying to follow this crowd of losing is the best way to do things around here. No, we should be trying to actively win our games and develop our guys. And wherever we're at the end of the season, you can reevaluate it with maybe a month left. Tanking's dirty, but hey, you know, if, if they're wanting to pull a fast one, I'm, I'm totally for it because the reward here is pretty immense if, if a situation where we can uh, sneak into the top four is is in the realm of possibility here but yeah so i think you know sliding up or moving up in the last part of the year would be cool but i mean we should just be letting the season ride out and one of the reasons is the lottery odds are just flat in this year whenever we look at the table of just how odds are set up the top three selections in this draft all have the exact same odds for a top four pick. You, they have a 14% chance at number one, 13.4 at two, 12.7 at three, and 12% at the fourth spot. And the only difference that it really makes here is that the number one pick in this draft can only get one through five. So they have a 52.1% chance to get a top four. And they got a 47.9 for number five. And if you move down the list, whoever the number two spot is, they can be one through six. Three can be one through seven. You know, four can be one through eight. You can just keep that trend going along here. That's the only significant deal. But a 14% odd is probably not just wasting the whole year away on whenever we have so many key players that we can be building off of right now 
and even below like those top three the drop off is not as big as you would probably be expecting the ninth worst team in this draft has a 5.2 percent chance at winning the entire lottery now i don't remember exactly what it was before this new system was implemented but i know for a fact it was not that high it was probably sliced in half if even that i don't remember way way back then i don't even remember when stuff like this happened where teams who were in like the below single digit odds to get number one actually ended up getting it maybe it's because my memory of like draft lotteries does not go that far but yeah i I just like to imagine that you know there wasn't a lot of crazy change-ups back then but let's just say hypothetically we end up with the eighth pick in this year's draft now if we are number eight we would have a 5.3 percent chance at number one however you can't just assume we want to get it because guess what two years ago the new orleans pelicans had the eighth best odds and they had zion williamson on their team so for us we could have a similar situation where we are not in those top five selections going in the lottery but we can still end up getting a a high pick and whenever we are playing at such a bright level with our dudes we pretty much have another guy emerging every every game like one night it's sga going off next night dort basley's had his shine roby josh hall he just came off his first impressive game in the year so many great guys i mean we have three emerging stars in sga dort and i'd even say basley and right behind them we have people who have the potential to be stars in this league and at a minimum bright parts of our future we're talking isaiah roby diallo pokachevsky and maladone and you even have the wild cards in there such as josh hall and ty jerome so for us we should be prioritizing making sure that those nine players get more spots on our team and room to expand their game and one thing that you know people are just assuming is if we're not in the upper echelon of draft odds come lottery night we just simply aren't going to get the pick i already told you about the pelicans thing but saying that you have the number one odds going into the draft lottery is not as good as it really sounds you know there have been countless times where teams that have been projected to get high picks drop to like seven or eight and with the new draft system that's going to be even more common you don't want to convince yourself that we are just destined to get a guy like Cade cunningham just yet you know and if you want to hear first person accounts from people who probably had that mindset just go talk to any knicks fan they thought they were getting zion in 2019 and then they slid down to three for rj barrett and you know the realization kicked in they were really mad i I remember there's like some youtube video out there where someone was interviewing people at like sports bars the night of the draft lottery you got people like channing zion like people got zion williamson jerseys already for the knicks and then they just don't get him and they got rj barrett which he's had his spots here and there 
But, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same as them controlling the draft board and getting their top pick. So, you don't just want to talk yourself into thinking that we are getting a dude like Cade Cunningham. You know what I mean? And I had um, a little segment whenever I was doing the watch list. I had, like, the Cade Cunningham leaderboard. I still think that's cool. But you don't take it as face value. You know, like... I'm not saying if you're the worst team in the league, you're going to get Cunningham because ultimately the end of the year is going to have a lottery and with 14% odds, you shouldn't be, you know, just being in a a reality where you're just assuming you already have that number one pick if you know where I'm going with there. We just got to keep playing our brand of ball and continue to see our guys blossom. And even if we don't get a top pick, We shouldn't be hanging down on it. We don't need to dwell on this pick in particular because, look, just remember, if it's not a top selection in this draft, there's a lot of teams in the league who have just built their roster off of non-top five picks. The Golden State Warriors, one of the best dynasties we've had in the past 25 years. They built their original core. Through Steph Curry, who was the 7th pick. Klay Thompson, he was the 11th. And Draymond Green at 35. I don't even want to mention Kevin Durant in that, you know. But they they built their foundation off of picks that just were not that high. And they had to take risks. Steph Curry was kind of an oddball in his draft class. You know, getting selected after Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Because he was an undersized guy who just had a different style of the game. He just completely changed the game. And he's going to come down as one of the greatest guards of all time. And greatest shooter of all time almost. And Klay Thompson, he's been one of the greatest shooters of all time too. And Draymond, he's had a really strong career with the Warriors. And you even got teams on the up and up like the Denver Nuggets. They selected Jamal Murray with the 7th pick a couple years back. And then Michael Porter Jr., who they also took a couple years ago. He got picked with the 14th selection. And you got Jokic, who was the 41st pick in his draft. And you can just isolate this to a player-by-player case study, and you have so many more options. Just off the top of my head, I can name people like Devin Booker, who got picked 13th. Giannis, who got picked 15th. Kawhi Leonard, who got picked 15th, and hell, even Paul George, he got picked like 10th. So, you can get more names than that. That's just off the top of my head and what I got written down on my notes here. But yeah, you can make a whole entire case on this. I think there's even been studies where it's like, you don't want to have the number two pick. I think it was from like, Jimmy Hyrule or or something on YouTube, but I'm not completely positive. Anyways, the point still stands though. Like... You can get a star anywhere in the draft. And whenever you have a guy like Sam Presti, you should never be doubting his decision making. If he has a pick in the top 10 of this draft, which with our Thunder pick, you should, I mean, you don't assume, of course, but it's like 99% chance that it is. And then you got the Rockets pick, which looks like it also could land somewhere around that area so he's gonna be able to find some talent whether he's in the top three or four or not and when you're factoring in like I mentioned us having 
the shot at collecting that Houston pick, that Miami pick, and even that Warriors pick if it's 21 through 30, along with 12 other firsts until 2026, you don't need to be just all in on us tanking this year because if we really love a prospect that much, it will pro- it will have a hefty price tag to move up to number one in a draft like this for sure. Whenever you got people like Cade Cunningham, Suggs, and Evan Mobley headlining, that's a really good top three. And teams are not going to be willing to move, you know, what they may view as a certified perennial all-star and franchise player for five future picks down the line that they don't know who's going to be on the board and if they even like the classes. So you could be able to pull off a deal if you want. Uh, someone like Kate Cunningham that much and if Presty does take that initiative I'll be in full support of it because that means that he must love this guy a lot and he knows what he's talking about so that's kind of my statement on that but I think our best option as I've said is just sitting back relaxing and enjoying watching our young players grow we have so many unique pieces. SGA's looked like one of the best drivers in the league. Dort has been one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. Baisley has shown point forward potential. Roby, pleasant surprise. He's become one of our best rebounders and finishers around the basket. And you, you got people like Poku, Maladon, and Hall who are impressing day by day. So... We should just be really happy about this year. I think that the lottery this year is definitely very important and we want to have a high pick, but we don't need to force ourselves into this place where we have a bad environment going on because we just want to lose and get a top pick in this draft. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.